where is this billboard? It's coming up. I need to see it. No, we've been looking for it. I think we've been looking up for, for it for like weeks. Okay, it's coming up. I see an American Idol billboard. Up oh, there it is. Where? Oh, there it is. Yes. The fix. The I see it. Oh my God. Yes. Right. It's real. It's real. It's oh. Nice, isn't it good? Yes. Good All right, we need to stop and take a picture. Okay. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we'll talk to Ola Shakumbi, a staff writer from The Fix, about his career change from lawyer to Hollywood writer. Yes, and I have an airplane hit this week, and Liz, you are going to share a health bomb. Then this week's Hollywood hack was inspired by my recent Seattle trip. And finally, our assistant Mary will share her Big Little Lies celebrity sighting. That's exciting. So Sarah, update. Last week, we announced our first Happier in Hollywood retreat... Yes, it's called How to Get and Keep a Job as a TV Writer. And we would tell you all about it right now and tell you to go to our website, except it's sold out. Yes. We had limited spots because it's a lot of one-on-one attention. Within 24 hours, we were filled up. Thank you, everyone. I know. It was pretty amazing and overwhelming and kind of thrilling. Yes. We're really excited. And we will be holding more of these. So stay tuned. Yes. And people who emailed us who we didn't have room for, we do have a wait list. So, you know, you'll be first up when we do this again. Yes. And in fact, if you want to have first crack at the next retreat, you can still email us and we'll add you to our list of people who will get told first about the next retreat. Yes. Perfect. And then, Sarah, we have to uh, mention my sister Gretchen's new book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. Yes. I have been doing the 21-Day Outer Order Challenge Oh, my gosh. I have been, like, feverishly unsubscribing from emails and decluttering shelves. I am definitely feeling more inner order from my outer calm. Yes. And, Sarah, I've been reading every day my instructions for the 21-day clutter-clearing challenge. (laughs) I've been less successful at following through. I will say I happen to know Gretchen's going to be staying with me, so she's going to be helping me. So it kind of— Took away a little bit of my impetus to right. clear clutter because right. I know she, the the master was coming. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're feeling your zen, your clutter zen. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk 7, which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week it's making a career change. This is one of the questions we're asked most. How to transition from one career, whether it's lawyer, doctor, teacher, or anything else, to another, namely to being a TV writer is what people ask us about. (laughs) And it just so happens that a member of the FIX staff did exactly that. So we've asked him to join us today to share all of his secrets about how to change careers. 
Ola Shakumbi is a lawyer turned screenwriter from Washington, D.C. Most recently, he was a staff writer for our show, the ABC show The Fix, <laughs> and he's currently writing a live-action fantasy movie for Disney. We started hearing about Ola when we were shooting the pilot for The Fix. Our agent, Matt Solo, visited set, mm-hmm. and while he was there, he was saying, hey, if this goes to series, I have a great writer for you. I just signed him. He's new. He's a lawyer from D.C., and I think he would be great for the show. And so we read Ola's spec script, which was about the Monica Lewinsky situation, um, which was really interesting. Scandal. I think it's fair to call it a scandal. Okay. Um, And we met with him, and here we are. Ola, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much well, for having me. Okay. As we said, we get asked all the time, how can I go from being blank to being a TV writer? Um, and you actually did this. You were a lawyer, a successful lawyer in D.C., and you became a Hollywood writer. You're doing TV and movies. Um, so let's get into the whole story. First of all, I want to know, when you went to law school, did you want to be a lawyer or did you just feel like you should go to law school? Definitely did not want to be a lawyer. (laughs) I'm first generation Nigerian. And so growing up, my mother gave me a list of options, Ah. (laughs) starting with doctor, ending with lawyer. It's a list of two. A list of two. (laughs) Uh, And an asterisk next to engineer. But no, that was it. But uh, no, I'd always wanted to do this. I'd always wanted to be a writer. But it just never seemed very practical, especially not having any connections to the industry and being on the complete wrong coast. And so by the time I got to college, you know, I dabbled in writing screenplays. None of them were ever really good. But um, it was definitely something that I loved. It's something that I, at that time, you know, towards my junior year, I put away and was like, this is probably never going to happen. So let me do something more uh, practical. Mm -hmm. And what kind of law did you practice, Ola? Don't judge me too harshly. Okay, we promise we won't. Okay, I represented pharmaceutical companies. Oh, <laughs> so you must have loved that. Yeah, it was uh, <gasps> definitely edifying. You know, you wake up just feeling great about yourself. <laughs> and how did you get there? Like, did you have a particular focus in law school or just that was the job you got? I was really interested in, I guess they call it mass torts in law school. I did really well in those related courses and, you know, somehow just found my way into that. I don't know what mass torts are. I don't Can, okay. you, can you just explain that for the lay people here? They're just acts of harm that affect people on a broad scale. Oh. So you think of um, like when cars or Toyota has like recalls or things like oh. that to prevent situations that might lead into something like that. Into a I mass see. tort. I like that. We need to name an episode mass, mass tort. tort. Um, So you're there, you're practicing. Was there an inciting incident that made you decide, like, I'm going to take the leap? How did that happen? Oh, boy. Now, this is probably a bigger conversation. There was an inciting incident. Yes. So I was working in this firm, and I uh, get a call from my mother, basically. She had basically a couple days to leave the country. She was being deported. Oh, my God. And so uh, that was kind of the— the catalyst for the events. And so this was back in 2013. And not that there's ever an ideal time to be sent away from the country, but this was uh, during the height of the Boko Haram and the Ebola outbreak in Nigeria. And so like it was a traumatic and trying period. And so uh, I guess she had been gone for about a year. And I've been meeting with immigration attorneys trying to find someone to take the case. And everyone was just more like, now once you're gone, you're gone. Oh, wow. And so in the midst of that, she, uh, you know, we were talking on the phone. You know, we talked daily, obviously. 
And uh, she could always tell that I didn't really want to be doing this uh, <laughs> law, you know, motherly intuition. And she kind of just said, you know, I came to the country for you to pursue a dream, not what seems practical. And it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, in the midst of the worst period in her life, she's kind of giving me the uh, keys to the kingdom, so to speak. And so, yeah, at that point, like, I think maybe a week later, I just quit. I was like, okay, cool. Wow. wow. Uh, kind of sanctioned that. That, that makes me oh, teary. I, me too. That makes me love your mom. So even though she had initially been the one to say doctor or lawyer, yeah. sort of going through that hardship made her realize, like, well, this is why we wanted to do that in the first place. Yeah, I think so. It was, yeah, really strange. We talk about it all the time. Like, obviously, she is so happy and proud of me for everything yes. that's happening here. But it's so strange how it's uh, the huge left turn that was able to take from something that was extremely terrible. Were you able to help her get back into the country ultimately? So what ended up happening is I ended up writing a feature that I'm directing this year oh, based wow. on that incident. And if I answer that, it'll give away okay. the ending. All right. But it did have a— But I'm like, oh, I have to tell you, if the movie gets made, the trailers are going to give away the ending anyway. So. <laughs> That's They <true>. always do. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> but you don't you have to record. tell us. But uh, it did have a good resolution, I'll say that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That's good. So you quit sort of before you had a plan, it sounds like. Yes. You had money saved, I assume? Yeah. Okay, and then you quit. And then what did you do? Like, what steps did you take to get from there to here? So in the midst of trying to bring her back, I was like, I need some sort of catharsis. And screenwriting mm. became that for me. And um, I was like, okay, you know, I've, I did this before in high school. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what to do. So I was like, you know, I hear so much about this blacklist website and list that comes out. And so I researched it a little bit and I saw that you could um, put a script up and then uh, – pay and then get an evaluation. So I was like, okay, this will be my ticket and uh, to telling this story. And so I wrote the script. It was terrible. It read more like a diary than an, a very cinematic piece. And so I, this was the script based on your mother's yep. story. Okay. But I love that you had that level of self-criticism. That's one of the most important oh, qualities I in a writer. Oh, he's saying you have that now. Well, you said it was terrible, so that's, that's good to know. In hindsight. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. At the time, when I wrote it, I was like, oh, my gosh. This is genius. Exactly. I was like, this is magic. And uh, so I put it up on the website, and I paid $50 for this evaluation. And I was like, oh, my gosh, no. My life is about to change. I'm going to get an agent right away. This yeah. is going to be great. And so they agreed you on, like, this 10-point scale. And uh, after three weeks of waiting, I get the email, and it was like, your score is a four out of ten. Mm. And I was like, ooh. You were like, no, but I'm a badass lawyer. Like, That's not cool. Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm, yeah, I have a JT. <laughs> I, I could easily make this transition. And I remember the comment well. It was something to the effect of if Blockbuster still existed and they were still a category of straight-to-video, that's something that this writer could aspire to. Oh, ouch. And wow. at the time, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally devastating. I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this at all. Wow. Um, there were also some nice comments as well, but obviously you never yeah. retain those. You just remember yeah. uh, <laughs> the harsh ones. But no, after two weeks of being out of law, I was like, I can never go back to that field again. Right, right. So uh, I was like, okay, I've just got to figure out a way to make this work. So I started reading every screenplay I could find, mm. reading all the books, um, just really trying to immerse myself more into the craft of it and just trying to write, write, write constantly, right. which is what I was doing. And then what happened? At what this point did I'm you move to L.A.? Is what yeah. is, like, that's the big next step, right? Yeah. 
Uh, so eventually it got to a point where, you know, I wasn't complete trash of a screenwriter, <laughs> and uh, it got the attention of a manager. Were you sending stuff out? How did you get the attention? Oh, my gosh. Or I was sending out so many— contests? No, I didn't even think to do that because— uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just more sending out query letters. Okay. Um, wow, and that worked. Nope, it That's did not at all. Oh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not a single one. I mean, I think I got maybe three replies out of, like, hundreds that I sent out, hundreds of emails and wow. whatnot. Actually, funny story. I had a general just meeting yesterday with someone, and I was looking up the address. And, uh, you know, I typed in the person's name, and I saw that I sent this person a query letter four years ago. Wow. I know. But she responded and gave me a nice rejection. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. That's a nice moment at full circle. Yeah. But uh, no, no, no. It was just through the website. I think when you get a a certain—when you get an 8 out of 10, they send you emails to people who subscribe to the uh, website in the industry. Oh, interesting. Okay. By series events, yeah. So you had interest from a manager, mm-hmm. and then you decided, like, I've got to make the move? No. I mean, I still didn't feel comfortable. I was like, you know, maybe I should wait until I'm, like, making money or something. Mm. And so I was just like, I'll just fly out to, to L.A. whenever there's a meeting, and because uh, that was still far cheaper than paying for rent out here. Right. Um, but no, I it wasn't uh, the story of how I came out here really isn't that good. Basically, I was dating <laughs> a girl, and she was like— and she was reading my screenplays, and she was like, oh, my gosh, the entertainment industry sounds fascinating. I think I want to move to L.A. Oh, and, uh, wow. I was like, oh, my gosh, things are really going well with her. And she was like, yeah, you should come. And I was like, okay, I'll come. And so that was the thing that finally got me out here. Wow. So it's interesting that relationship maybe didn't last, but it served a great purpose in your life. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Well, and then did you—was it once you moved to L.A.? Because, you know, we always tell people you have to move to L.A. Yes, you have to move to yes. L.A. Did that really launch you, being here in the city? Oh, my gosh, yes. I think, yeah, it was this weird thing where people take you so much more seriously once you're really out here. It's like you can't – and that was a lesson that I learned throughout the process, I think. I would go through periods of uh, trying to dip my toe in to uh, the world because I wasn't totally secure. I was like, you know, I don't – I'm not getting paid to do this. You know, how am I going to pay the bills? I was like sort of like, you know, dithering between, you know, whether I want to be fully immersed myself in the world or kind of, Mm -hmm. you know. But no, no, no. Once I finally jumped in and just was like, okay, you know, sink or swim, it things started to slowly uh, develop. So now that was a huge turning point. And my question is, I mean, I was going to ask, did you doubt yourself? But you're saying you did doubt yourself. <laughs> Constantly. We're writers after we, all. We all yeah. doubt ourselves. <laughs> like, do you ever doubt it now? Do you ever doubt the decision or you're solid now? Do I ever doubt the decision to become a writer? Yeah. Oh, no. Never. Right. No, no, no. Okay, good. You shouldn't. And then my question is, was it hard to sort of start back at the bottom? Like, you know, on The Fix, you're a staff writer, which is like the entry-level staff writer job, which is a great job. But, I mean, you've been a lawyer. You've had a career. Is it hard to sort of have to start over again? Or are you just so happy to not be a lawyer you don't care? (laughs) Uh, I think a little column A, a little column B. I don't know. Actually, I don't think it was ever really difficult. You know, I I never really came in with that chip on my shoulder of like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have this high degree. You know, I should be, you know, coming in making this or being able to do this right away. Because I think I was uh, so aware throughout the process of how tough it was to even break into the industry that I had just a constant appreciation of being in gratitude for, you know, having anything and being able to even be working. So, no, I, I never felt that way. I want to go back just a minute because we sort of skipped over the most important part, mm. which is how did you get 
an agent because we have oh, the same yes. agent. How did you build that relationship? Oh, that manager who I had, I ended up staying with him. It wasn't the greatest fit, but he was the first person who really believed in me. And so I stayed with him a bit longer than I should have. But, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons from him. And I think the most important thing was just kind of discovering my voice. Mm. And so when I first uh, signed with him, the very first meeting, he was like, okay, this script that you wrote, the writing is great, but we're going to put that aside. You need to write me things that are very commercial. Mm. And I was like, you know, at the same time, I was like, ah, that's disappointing because I really care so much about this project. Um, But at the same time, I was like, oh, man, like a conversation like this means I'm in the business. I'm like, I'm part of the industry. And so that's what I did. And, you know, writing those sorts of scripts, you know, I, I would get better as a writer and they would lead to meetings and anything, but there wasn't any real success until, like, I think at a certain point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to write something that I don't think will interest anyone at all, but it will probably be the most representative of my voice. And I wrote that, and that's what got me to Matt, actually. It got his attention, and uh, it's probably, you know, my favorite piece that I've ever written. And it's funny, as he, and I tell this story all the time just because it's, I love Matt. He's great. And I don't know if I've told you this, but when he uh, signed me in the meeting, he was like, and I think this sums up why I love him so much. He said, uh, you know, I'm signing you because I believe in your voice, because I don't expect that you're ever going to write something better than this. Uh, and I was like, thank you? That's funny. <laughs> He's so no-nonsense, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he just said it so dryly that I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. what? Uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about sort of, because being on The Fix was your first staffing experience. Totally. We always find there are certain roles that people occupy in a writer's room. And I think of you very much as a problem solver, which is a very important person to have, someone who's sort of analyzing and looking at things and and solving problems. Does that relate in any way to you having been a lawyer? Yeah, I'm sure it does. I've never really thought about it like that. I think so much of uh, what I was doing was, you know, you spend hours just thinking over an issue and trying to figure out you know, a multitude of different ways to address it, to solve it. And so, yeah, I guess that's probably, you know, the root of it. So, oh, my gosh. I, I, so your law degree did come in handy. I was going to say, I, didn't, I never try to acknowledge that. I never even advertise that I have it. Oh. <laughs> we, oh, also, I did. we also used Ola's law knowledge in the For room sure. because it, we were a legal show. Yes. Or we yeah. are a legal yes. show. <laughs> so it did come in handy that way as well. Sure. Although not a lot of pharmaceutical law no. on the fix. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Do you have any advice? We have all these listeners who want to do what you did. What sort of advice that you would give them to start taking the steps to becoming a Hollywood writer? Yeah, I guess the first and most important thing that I've learned is, I guess, be all in. Mm, I think— Ooh. When I first started— That's great. Yeah. There's the title of our episode. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. When I first started, I uh, was—even after I quit law, I was like, you know, I'm kind of worried about making money, so I'll do what's called doc review, Mm. where, you know, you would just uh, scan documents for hours a day and, uh, you know, redact things that are privileged, whatever. It's really boring. But it paid well, and, you know, the hours were much better than actual doing law, and I would write at the same time. Right. And I had someone uh, tell me, she was like— you know, I don't think anyone who ever actually becomes a writer is worried about that. I feel like they just write and that's mm. all they do because they love it. And I was like, well, they have to eat. And so I was really annoyed. <laughs> but like a short time later, I was like, oh, my gosh, she was totally right. Um, and I would love to say that it, it was like an epiphany moment, but it's actually because I got fired from that doc oh. review job uh, for writing scripts <laughs> on the job. Oh, I like had a journal classic. and I, yeah. Oh um, but no, but like, so I, I think like the idea of being all in and just like, if this is what you want to do, just like 
jumping in and doing this and only this. And I think it even extends a little bit more broadly. Like I think we all kind of know people who like I know a few writers who are like, oh, my gosh, I want to be a writer, blogger, actress, model. Right. Uh, yeah. Novelist and yeah. do all these things. But, you know, you're not really putting in the time to develop the craft of writing because you're so yeah. in so many different areas. And I think that, you know, if you want to be a writer, you have to write. You have to be focused on this because it does take a lot of time because it is a craft. You know. Yeah, this is Maybe. such good advice. It reminds me, like we always say when we moved to L.A., we did nothing if it didn't involve somehow becoming a TV writer. Yeah. Like, literally, like, I didn't, like, open the refrigerator door unless I felt like somehow that was going to lead to a job. We <laughs> treated becoming a TV writer like law school. That's what yeah. we always said. Yeah. We're like, it's a grind, and you got to grind it out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I really do believe in the 10,000-hour rule. Like, it takes mm. that much effort to become proficient in something. And I think, you know, if you're dividing your focus, you're not really ever yeah. giving yourself a chance to get to that place. Fantastic advice. Okay, finally, Ola, we um, ask all of our guests, what makes you happier in Hollywood? Yeah, that's a question that I definitely think about a lot and reflect on. I think I spent so many years, you know, wanting to do this and be a writer and not thinking that it will ever happen. So the thing that makes me happiest in Hollywood is just the opportunity to be working and telling stories and writing because it is in a very sort of, I'm sorry to be cliche, but it's a dream come true. And so just having this opportunity, it makes me happier in a way that I was not anticipating before I mm. got into it. And, you know, so, yeah. So and I also thank you both for that because you were my first paying job. Actually. Oh, yay. Yeah. Well, we are glad that you made the leap. So we are we are happy we're part of your dream coming true. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, Ola. Thank Thanks, you so much Ola. for having me. It's a pleasure. OK, coming up, I will share a hit and Liz has a health bomb. But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, now it's time for Hits and Bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And I have a hit that I want to give to a male flight attendant who was on Violets in my recent flight to Seattle. Oh, my God. Okay, so we walk on the plane Mm -hmm. and the guy says, hey, would you like to go in the cockpit? Now, you have to understand, Violet and I fly a lot. Like, we travel a fair amount, and no one has ever done this before. And I'm always so stressed about, like, getting to our seats. I don't think to ask. And she was so excited. It was, like, the best thing that's happened to her in, like, a century. If she had been alive for a century, it would have been the (laughs) highlight. 
What's funny is somebody offered Jack to come into the cockpit once, uh-huh. and he loved it as well. We have the picture, you yes. know, the whole thing. But I didn't know that was legal. I thought people weren't <laughs> allowed to go in the cockpit anymore. So I was like, really? I was shocked. Now, what was great about it is and the pilots also were just like could not have been sweeter. And they let her move the seat all around. So mm. she felt like she was doing a lot of, you know, kind of cool, ooh, this is on the line kind of stuff. But she was just moving the seat back and forth. That's that's so cute. It was so cute. Anyway, I'll post pictures of it on my Instagram. It was like well, the most wonderful thing. I think it's nice that you bring this up because I feel like air travel has just gotten so yeah. negative. I mean, yeah. it's just like... So often the airlines are just infuriating, yeah. um, and not to mention that the prices just seem to keep going up. So it's nice to hear about a positive experience on an airplane. It really was great. Thank you, Alaska Airlines flight attendant and pilots. <laughs> you were so nice. Okay, Liz, you have you have a bomb. I have a bomb, yes. On episode 207 of Happier, I talked about um, that I had surgery recently. I was telling everyone, go to the doctor Mm -hmm. because I needed to go to the doctor. I put it off. Turned out I had these massive fibroids. If you want to hear the whole story, (laughs) listen to it on Happier, episode 207. But here's what happened. So I had the surgery. It was laparoscopic, which meant quicker healing time. Mm -hmm. It went well. Everything went well. And I was feeling much better about a week later, uh, nine days, let's say. And so I said to you, hey, I think I'm ready to go hiking to do Fryman Canyon, which we love to do. And you were like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I feel fine. It was laparoscopic. No big deal. Um, and so you and I went hiking. And you seemed fine on the hike, I, I want to say. I was fine on the we, hike. We paused a lot. Yes, we did. We we went slow. We paused. I felt fine. But then, like, that night, I just crashed. Like, And you also didn't take it easy that afternoon. No. Then I, I was planning to go home and rest. Instead, I went and did a million errands. So that Wait. didn't help. But anyway... That night, I just felt horrible, and like I, I was having a hard time sort of moving, and then in the middle of the night, I got up, and I fainted, and then I, like, almost fainted three more times, oh and I ended up, you know, yeah. so everything ended up fine. I called the doctor in the morning. I explained what happened, and the <laughs> nurse said, you were not supposed to go hiking. Are you insane? You just had surgery. This is, like, major surgery. So my bomb is that I just, like— I did too much too fast. And I bring it up because I feel like we all have that feeling of, like, wanting to be better when we're not better, you know, wanting to get back to our normal routine if something throws us off. You really have to take the time to heal, whether it's from a cold, from surgery, if you're grieving. You have to allow yourself time to heal. I didn't do that. And I paid a price. I was set back, like, at least a week. Yeah. I felt like an idiot, and I was— When I feel guilty, I I have to say. Well, you shouldn't. I felt like I was aiding and abetting. Like, later, (laughs) like, the next day when you texted me that you fainted, I was like, why? Why did I agree to go hiking? Well, how could you have uh, known? I told you you I was fine. you had a major surgery. Anyway, I really do feel— You should not feel guilty. But anyway, (sighs) I just say this— Time has passed. I'm feeling good. I'm still taking it a bit easy. We've gone hiking since, but we did an easy <laughs> yes, hike. Yes, Not the vertical one that is Fryman Canyon. Yes, and I made sure I stayed really hydrated because yeah. that was part of the issue. So anyway, that's my bomb. I say it as a warning to everybody. Take care of yourself. Yes. 
Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. And this is one you got from your friend Rebecca in Seattle. Yes. Violet and I went to visit Rebecca and her two daughters in Seattle, who are also, by the way, Violet's donor siblings. And we had a wonderful weekend. And one of the super fun things we did there is a, like, you know, a wax dip. Rebecca just has one that she keeps on her kitchen counter, and the wax is always warm, and it's not, like, super hot, so it's not dangerous, and it has a lid. And she just was like, hey, anybody want to do paraffin (laughs) wax treatments? And we all, like, dipped our hands in. And, like, for the little kids, it was so cool. Oh, my god! Because then you have that wax that you can take off your hands. And it's, like, the warmest, coolest thing to just play with. And for me, it was like going to the spa in the middle of, like, a kid-intensive weekend. Brilliant. Well, I think these are called paraffin wax baths. Because after you said this, I Uh immediately looked it up on Amazon. (laughs) And I did see, for anyone who's interested, there are several of them. For as low as $40, yeah. then they can go up in price. But if you want to have a spa in your kitchen, a little time, you know, <laughs> a Calgon take-me-away moment, you can get your own paraffin wax bath and yeah. feel quite luxurious for $40. Pretty cool. Um, now, Sarah, I will say in your year of not buying a lot, I think you're not going to actually go through with this hack, though. Um. Okay. I... <laughs> I have one already. What? Yeah. No, I have one. It's in my garage. It's been in my garage for like a year and a half. <laughs> oh, my God. On a shelf, and I've never taken it out because I thought, oh, this seems like a real pain in the butt to deal with. <laughs> but now that I've seen Rebecca's, you know, up and in action, I'm actually going to, like, when I do my kitchen remodel, try and find a place where it can go. So it's kind of out of the way and safe, but, like, available for use whenever I want to. You really do have everything. I, I say do. that this woman has everything <laughs> and she has everything. I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of a lot. <laughs> but not the paraffin wax bath. I'm going to hold on, on to, to that. Okay. <laughs> Coming up, Mary shares her Big Little Lies celebrity sighting, but first an ad break. And now it's time for this week's Celebrity Sighting, and it comes from Mary. Yeah, so just last weekend, I was having lunch at Mendocino Farms by the Grove. I saw this very tall blonde woman. You said it before in an episode, the star vibration. She definitely had it. It was Laura Dern. Ooh, Laura Dern. Yeah. Star of Big Little Lies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And many other things. (laughs) And she was with her kids, but her kids don't look like her, so I had to Google while we were eating because they look more like her ex-husband. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Didn't you say they're, like, models or something? Oh, yeah, they're high fashion models. I think the son is, yeah. He's, like, doing all the high-end designer fashion runway shows. So um, they're, you know, sounds weird saying, but they're attractive children. They're good-looking children. (laughs) They all have a glow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting. Like Mendocino Farms, for anyone who doesn't live in L.A., is like incredibly busy, high-traffic L.A. restaurant. So it's funny that you just see like a huge star like just chowing down at Mendocino Farms. I know. Crazy. Good one. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. 
A special thanks to Ola Shakunbi for joining us today. We can't wait for everyone to see your episode of The Fix. Mm-hmm. And thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for always keeping an eye out for celebrity sightings. <laughs> and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. so fun to see Ola. I know. And Sarah, I'm so gratified that he completely gave our advice <laughs> without us even prompting it. That was perfect. It's like, it's like we told him what to say. I know. <laughs> From the Onward Project.